Welcome back to 10 Minute Investing Canada, where we do stock analysis, market overviews, and break down financial news in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, Austin Bentz, and let's get the show on the road. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today is Saturday, May 8th, and today we are taking a look at a company in the e-gaming space. Um, I think a lot of people have some curiosity. Uh, there's been those professional e-gaming teams that have been forming um, and, and everyone's seen the size of this market growing. Even if you're not a gamer per se, I know personally myself, I'm actually not much of a gamer. I used to play a little bit of uh, Call of Duty here and there with my friends, but maybe an hour a week or, or something. It was very minimal and I haven't turned on a game in Oof, at least six months. So I, I wouldn't consider myself a gamer, but nevertheless, it's an exciting space. It's a growing space and has been for a while. Um, and as I just mentioned, you know, some of these uh, professional gaming teams and esports teams have been bringing a lot of attention to the space. So we're going to look at a Canadian company um, in that space. And they're not a traditional gaming company per se. They don't make games. Uh, they are a media company, and they run websites and things like that. So uh, Enthusiastic Gaming, they trade on the TSX, and they are listed on the NASDAQ now as well, but they are a Canadian company. They started on the uh, the TSX Venture, moved up to the TSX, now listed on the NASDAQ. So you can definitely buy this one in Canadian funds. A uh, little background on Enthusiastic. EGLX is the ticker too, by the way. EGLX uh, on both NASDAQ and TSX. It's a little bit about Enthusiastic. Um, they're an online media company operating in the gaming space. They have over 100 websites. Uh, they own seven professional esports teams, 30 weekly shows, and they put on a gaming conference as well in a non-COVID world. Uh, they, they actually had uh, Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs partner with them for their last conference before um, before COVID hit, and he was playing Fortnite with fans and things like that. So they've got that quite a bit. I did roll through their investor presentation, and they have a, like a, a wheel here that shows the different segments they operate in. So uh, YouTube channels, 30 weekly shows, as I mentioned, over 20 million subscribers. They have websites, over 100 websites publishing unique content. Um, a video network, over a thousand channels creating video uh, video game related content, over 50 live and virtual gaming events globally, and then they have over 550 influencers across Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and then teams, as I mentioned, the seven esports teams. Um, notably, Seattle Surge is a pro Call of Duty team, and the Vancouver Titans is a pro Overwatch team. So um, they've got a lot of websites, things like that. Uh, and they own some of these teams. Now, the thing with EGLX and Enthusiastic, what they do so well is actually their their engagement. You know, you're never going to compete with Facebook and, and things like that for viewership. But the engagement that we've seen through through EGLX or Enthusiastic Gaming subsidiary sites is, uh, is kind of what stands out to me about this company. Um, so in comparison, uniquely monthly users or unique monthly users, so unique visitors every month uh, between the ages of 18 to 34 in the millions is um, 63 million for Facebook, 17.8 for enthusiastic. So obviously you're not going to compete with Facebook. And again, this is between age 18 and 34. Facebook's total number would be higher, but you're not going to compete with Facebook. Instagram's 55.9 million. So a lot of monthly users, 17.8 for enthusiastic. Well, they generate the deepest engagement. So 7.9 average views per visit. So average page views versus Facebook at 5.7, Instagram 4.9, uh, Twitter is all the way down at 2.5. 
So they, they and TikTok 3.5. So they're generating a lot more engagement than you know all these main social media sites. So to me, when I look at that, I would say they warrant higher prices for advertisements because you're getting a more engaged viewer. I think those are more valuable views than Facebook. So I, I would say on a per view basis, what you're paying for advertisements, that would be that would be the case I would make just because of the deeper engagement you're seeing. So to jump into their market size and their monetization, um, they drive revenue by monetizing their gaming audience. Obviously, you know, they have all these gamers. They reported they had over 300 million unique um, unique viewers or, or gamers that subscribe to some form of content they have across the different mediums of, of uh, content they have. So over 300 million people in their audience um, and they do sell advertising spaces to public companies. Even the Biden-Harris administration actually had used EGLX to advertise. So you have political parties um, as well as private companies paying them for advertisements. And, you know, this 18 to 34-year-old demographic, this is very big for private companies. I think you're going to hear a lot about that. Anyone that works in marketing, you will understand. It's a tough segment to, um, you know, to successfully market to. And people are looking to get into that space. So so having this engagement with uh, viewers of that age it's definitely something that advertisers are, are, are taking notice of and it's going to continue to drive revenue moving forward. Um, as for the market size, I actually didn't know this. I knew the gaming space was growing. So um, there's another company called Skills Inc. I was going through their investor presentation as well. They're a company I have looked at too. And through the information that company's gathered, the gaming space is valued at $175 billion annually. The only thing larger than that in entertainment is television at 286 billion, but music is down to 40 billion, movies is at 16 billion. So gaming is the second largest um, market in the entertainment uh, sector. And it's growing at about 14% year over year versus 4% for television, 2% for books. Uh, and music and movies is actually decreasing year over year. So um, the most growth in entertainment you're seeing is in gaming sector. Um, again, I touched on those revenues. They've been doing a great job at starting to monetize it. Uh, I won't get into too deep of a dive on the, the revenue plan, but if you do want to look at their investor presentation, it's on their website. They have a four-phase four phase plan to monetize the company and to grow revenues. Um, and so far, it's been working. You look at 2019 uh, revenue in Canadian dollars. I just found these numbers on Yahoo Finance. Uh, 11.7 million revenue in 2019, 72.4 million Canadian in 2020. So that represents a 519% year-over-year revenue growth. So that's huge, right? That's 5x revenue. Um, analyst expectations for revenue 20 uh, in 2021, 159.63 million. So that's another 119% year-over-year growth from 2020. So still growing at a huge rate. Um, and 2022 expectations are 195.67 million. So 23% year over year growth. If you look at this company in the last three years, you know, we just had 519% revenue growth. We're looking at 119% revenue growth this year, and then another 23% after that. I think you're hard pressed to find a company that's going to show uh, a level of revenue growth like this moving forward. Now, a lot that plays into that, these are management expectations here, but right now they're earning about 30 to 35 cents per thousand views. It's, it's their CPM uh, is what it's called. I'm, I'm just learning about some of these metrics they use for the online advertising space. Um, but 30 to 35 cents per thousand views is what they're getting. And management expects that to hit $1.50 the next couple of years with an end goal of $3. So this plays into that engagement factor that they view their, 
their uh, views as being more valuable than Facebook and things like that just because of this engagement. So this represents a 10 times revenue growth without any growth in audience. And this is what they're saying they can do. You know, they said 1.5 in the next couple of years, end goal of three. They don't really have a timeline set for that. But even let's just take the next couple of years, five times revenue growth possibilities in the next couple of years to maintain the audience, not even grow the audience. And, and they they are continuing to grow the audience. They're, they're acquiring new websites. They used to have, uh, last time I viewed these guys was over a year ago. They only owned about 70 websites. They're up over 100 now. So they're doing a good job at acquiring companies. And then they're looking to uh, just a quick hitter on phase four of that four-step plan. Uh, the last one is a social platform, e-commerce platform, and then to leverage their first-party data. So they're not even into any of that yet. That's a longer-term vision. Um, but that's just more revenue growth that they can drive. So I think they have a long way to go as far as uh, pumping up these revenue numbers. Um, to look at evaluation quick, they seem reasonably valued now. You know, Given these numbers, these analyst projections for 2021, if you're going to look at a forward enterprise value to sales, they're at 7.4 um, as of Friday when I pulled these numbers. So Friday, May 7th. Uh, you know, look at some other companies in the gaming sector. I mentioned Skills. They're trading at 21 times enterprise value. Unity is another company. Uh, they're at 28 times enterprise value to sales. Again, not apples to apples. Skills is a gaming platform that's allowing you to bet on games. Unity is more of a game developer. Uh, so it's not quite apples to apples versus a media company. Um, but nevertheless, you know, the space is hot. These multiples seem to be very undervalued for EGLX based off of other e-gaming companies. I don't know if that's because it's Canadian. It's very new to the NASDAQ. So maybe as it gets more attention here at the American markets, we'll see these multiples expand to something in line with these other uh, gaming companies. But right now, you know, forward price earnings at 7.4, that's not crazy. That's not very high. And, and the company that's expected to grow revenue so much, if it can hold this multiple, right, um, you're going to see share price growth from here. It's it's going to be okay as far as uh, you know if we're getting 119% year over year growth and then 23, you're going to continue to see the share price have to keep up with this multiple. And then if we get any type of multiple expansion and we see you know a 15 enterprise value to revenue number or something like that, you know we're going to see a, a big uptick in in share price here. Um, now, so touch on a couple of risks. Obviously, nothing is riskless, especially these small stocks. Um, you know, major risk I see. Uh, they're undervalued, but they've missed expectations, analyst expectations the past four quarters in a row. So it does seem that there's only five analysts covering this stock, and it does seem that they tend to be trigger happy with projections. They seem to always shoot a little higher than they than EGLX seems to produce. So maybe taper these expectations down a bit. You know, when you're doing your own due diligence, looking at some of these numbers, maybe just undercut a bit of these numbers. Um, my counterpoint to that would be that you know when you're talking about 119 percent revenue growth. Even if even if you taper that down a bit, let's say eighty percent, that's still very large, and that's cutting a lot of uh, a lot of that growth out. So, I mean, maybe be a little bit uh, um, worried. I don't want to use the word worried, but you know, you should look at everything from a worried view. You don't want to just believe everything you're sold, especially when you're talking about buying stocks. Obviously, management are bullish on their own company. A lot of analysts tend to be trigger happy. Um, you know, they, they they would rather say good things about a company than bad. So, you know, maybe pull these expectations down a bit. Um, but nevertheless, when you're talking about numbers this big, I think that there's room to miss and you'll still be happy with the stock. Uh, another major risk factor I, I see is that EGLX, again, they're playing to Gen Z, which we see that 18 to 34 year old category. I know millennials are in there too, but 
a lot of these gaming sites they're playing to this new Gen Z, which has shown to have almost no brand loyalty. So if a lot of competitors do jump into the stock and start disrupting what EGLX, EGLX has been building here, could have some big implications because we've seen um, a lot of marketing data on Gen Z shows that they don't have a lot of brand loyalty. They're going with the best product and they're willing to switch on a dime. Um, they're, they're in it for, you know, who's going to give me the best product today? Which I don't personally, I think that's a great strategy to be. So I'm not, I'm not here uh, shitting on Gen Z. I, I think that's fine. That's what companies are there to do: provide their value to their consumers. And if they're not providing you value, move on. But that's just something to watch. As we you know, when you look at companies that play to the more uh, baby boomer generation, they're a lot more brand loyal. Uh, Gen X are more brand loyal. As you get younger, millennials less so, but. Uh, millennials and Gen Z tend to be the least brand loyal, Gen Z the most. So I think that's something to watch. Um, if they have a decline in viewer engagement, that erodes their competitive advantage. You know, as we talked about, that engagement is what's what's really going to help them take off here, that they are have such more engaged viewership than, than the likes of Facebook and these, uh, these social media giants. You're not going to be able to compete overall with Facebook, but if they can keep that competitive advantage in the viewer and the uh, engagement, you know, I, I like their odds for continuing to sell high-priced advertisements. Um, again, they bear the risk with any early-stage company. I've talked about that in some previous podcasts. So I'll touch on it again. As you know, um, a company that's never turned a profit, all, all of these uh, estimates and, and pricing, you know, you're baked into future forecasting. Um, and then you need to discount those earnings. So when you're looking at companies that aren't going to turn money for a few years, you know, your discount rate really affects how the stock price looks today. Uh, you know, you had Janet Yellen in the States now saying there might be some inflation on the rise. Uh, people are starting to, there was a bit of more of a bond sell-off. We've seen these rates starting to increase. So if, if bond yields increase, treasury yields increase, you know, interest rates go up, you're going to see these growth stocks that don't have revenues or uh, revenue, sorry, profits, don't have profits coming in for a few years. Their share price is going to take a hit because of that. It's something to worry about with anything. So I think look at that with any small company that isn't earning money yet. You know, the mind meds we've talked about. I talked about K&R. Actually, K&R is not really the same because they have a standalone business before their uh, their new venture here. So, But anyway, small companies like this that aren't turning a profit yet, you just got to watch a little bit because they can get compressed when these uh, bond yields go up. So something to always watch when you're looking at your growth portfolio is bond yields. Those two go hand in hand. Uh, keep an eye on those. Um, but as long as we don't go up too swift, I think we'll be fine just based off how much revenue growth there should be. So yeah, conclusion, they've had a real uh, or a small sell-off lately, like about 10%. I think it's not a bad time to get in. If you look, this stock has been hot lately. They've been on an absolute tear for the past six months. But even said that, you know, we're looking at their enterprise value to revenue multiples. They're not overvalued. If anything, they were super undervalued a few months ago. Um, and now that we've gotten these 2020 uh, revenue numbers, oh, that's an, that's the other thing too, right? The, the company was valued at like $3 a share before these 2020 revenues came out that showed 500% revenue increase year over year. You know, they've been going steadily up since then. You have the TSX boost, the NASDAQ listing, a lot of the good things in their favor that have brought their price up. But I think they're still at a pretty fair value for what you're getting you're not really looking at like a 500 uh, percent return here in your stock price or something you know you're not looking at a 10 bagger but i think if you want exposure to the e-gaming sector um the media company approach might be something more favorable you know games tend to come in and out of style the communities you communicate on and, and uh, speak about gaming i think those are a little bit more 
uh, concrete and they'll tend to stay. You can just change what the community is talking about a lot easier than, you know, developing new games that people want to play. So I think that they have a better chance to stick with the gaming community than someone that's just developing games where it's a continuous you need a continuous cycle of needing to generate good games or produce good games and good content. Or the nice thing about these media companies is a lot of the content is generated by um, the users. So, you know, with this high engagement too, hopefully that sticks around. But yeah, I, I would say in the next few years, like I wouldn't be shocked if you see a 200% appreciation in the stock price. So, you know, one to two times your money in the next couple of years. I don't think you can complain about that if that happens. And I think that's a very realistic possibility, but I wouldn't come into this expecting to get a 10 bagger. Uh, I think that would be uh, you know, as I said, with the revenue or the analyst expectations, taper those expectations, taper your expectations on return. This isn't something that I see to be at 10, 20 X, but I think, you know, exposure to this e-gaming sector as it continues to grow, gaming is just getting bigger and bigger, pro gaming teams, all of this. I think you're going to want a piece of this pie um, just in case the whole sector ends up growing faster than we saw. But Anyway, I'm going to wrap that up. I think this is a decent company. I did initiate a position myself uh, a while back. Um, so it's something I've been watching and I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, again, as always, let me know if you've got feedback for me, if there's anything you want to hear about. Um, I think we're going to do a beginner podcast on portfolio construction uh, soon and just how to balance the sectors and, and weights in your portfolio. I've actually had like five emails come in from people and someone on Twitter as well just ask about that. So seems to be in demand. It'll probably be the next uh, beginner investor series podcast. But yeah, as always, shoot me an email. Uh, links are in the bio there. My Twitter's in the bio, my Reddit, whatever you need. Um, send me a message or something you want to hear. If you want to tell me I suck, if you want to tell me whatever it is, uh, just shoot me a message. Love hearing from people. Um, but yeah, I'm out for now. Have a good weekend, everyone. And yeah, something to take advantage of in the e-gaming space. Exciting, exciting opportunity. Take care.